This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. Looking through red and black lenses, it's In the Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, welcome in to In the Red. Uh, no Ricardo Ball for this week. He's taken a well-earned rest. He worked all the way through uh, Christmas and the New Year period, so... He's off doing whatever Ricardo Ball does when he's not at work. Uh, Manaya in for him, and Marshy in for himself, as he is every week. Justin, how are you, mate? Yeah, good evening to you, Manaya, and everybody out there. Uh, welcome into the, the Crusaders half hour. Um, looking forward to dissecting what's going to be a really interesting week, mate. It's been um, probably, when I think about it, uh, for Razor, it's been probably the, the most difficult um, period of time that, He's had to deal with deal with adversary mm. um, in, in his coaching career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, only the one game, they managed to Frankenstein one in to keep some sort of super rugby going across the weekend. Yep. What did you do with yourself for the rest of the weekend? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I did go up and work the game for Sky, so I went on a, a Friday and um, called the game on Saturday night. Um, so it still ended up being quite a busy weekend because, um, you know, it was nice to go to Mount Smart and see um, Moana Pacifica uh, at, at home for the first time um, and go to a different stadium. Um, unfortunately, again, crowdless, which, uh, you know, it does sort of always feel a little bit eerily quiet mm. and, and strange. Um, and then when I, then I got home on Sunday and um, in, into our show on uh, Sunday afternoon. So um, it actually ended up being quite, quite uh, busy. Yeah, still managed to fill it up with work. Um, like you mentioned, no one at the grounds, but how good was it to uh, see Moana Pacifica at Mount Smart Stadium, was that cool? Yeah, it was. It was great. And it was really pleasing to see that, you know, the stadium was looking absolutely immaculate. Like, the field was in sensational condition. Obviously, there's not been any sport played there for quite a long time. Um, and Moana Pacifica now have, have made their way from Queenstown back back to Auckland to their home base. Uh, and they've got a cracking stadium there to, to utilise. So... You know, hopefully um, things start to right themselves um, very quickly in this country uh, and it looks like we're on course to doing that and uh, them and all the other franchises hopefully soon will be playing back in front of crowds. Yeah, with any luck. Um, you mentioned COVID, obviously a lot of players out for all kinds mm-hmm. of teams. Um, but how much harder, so obviously it's the seven-day stand-down period, then you're allowed back into, you know, seeing other people, but how much harder is it going to be coming back after actually being crook, you know, not being able to practice for those days? I, I, can we expect players to be a little bit out of sorts after that, after catching COVID? Yeah, well, it's, it's a really interesting question, Manaya, isn't it? How, how the players will individually respond. Some, some will bounce back quicker than others, uh, I believe. Uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union have a directive on on, on the process back to play, uh, and and the coaches within the franchises are all aware of that directive. But they'll also have their own policies around when they feel a player is fully recovered and able to play and contribute. Let's face it, like this um, New Zealand competition just does not get 
uh, give give you any room to breathe. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> that sounds like a bit of a pun, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> it, it, it is like that, isn't it? It's, it's tough. It's uncompromising, and you've got to be on every week uh, because the minute that you're off, you fall away from the the leading pack. Uh, it really hurts you. So. You know, they, they need to make sure that when the players um, are fronting, that they are 100% because this um, competition demands that. And, yeah, I'm certainly sure that they are sort of macro-managing that within uh, their camps and making sure yeah. that when the players return, that they are, you know, as close to fully fit as they can possibly be. Yeah, well, particularly this uh, upcoming weekend game for the Saders, they've got mm. the Chiefs, and it looks to me at least that there's a bit of a top two starting to emerge. And uh, Beaver was saying on the drive show this afternoon that this is essentially the grand final, these two teams at least, coming up this weekend. Yeah, well, obviously the, they, the last time the Crusaders played, um, they lost, and, and they lost to the Chiefs. Uh, that they, they had what was we were talking to Scott Robertson prior to that game during that that week, um, and and he was sort of saying you know that this is what they get up for you know they had two big challenges ahead of them with the Chiefs and the Blues uh, coming to Christchurch, and uh, obviously the, the the result of the Chiefs game was a major blow to that, and then secondly uh, the the COVID situation which forced the, the postponement of the Blues game, so what it's now sort of snowballed into is having to go to Hamilton and, and uh, try and beat the team that just beat them at home. So, like I said, I think it's a very challenging time for Scott Robinson. He's not probably been faced with these sort of bizarre-type circumstances before. And when I say bizarre, I know yeah. that sounds a bit arrogant, but you know, not many people go to Christchurch and win. Not, not many sides <laughs> at all come away um, you know, with, the, with, with the result when they, when they go to um, Orange Theory Stadium. So... He's had to deal with that, um, and a home loss in this competition is not good. It uh, it does put the pressure on you because it means that you can't bank that that home win where you're you know you're in your own conditions, your own environment. And now he's faced with going to the Chiefs' environment, their conditions, um, and well and truly on the back foot. Yeah, it's a little bit like the um, the Test Championship and the cricket that they've set up there, where everyone's yep. expected to win their home games. So if you drop one of them, that's worth so much more. Um, that, than another loss, and, and potentially it's worth more uh, negative impact on your side than getting that win would have been positive. So, as you mentioned, it's going to be full on. Now they've got to beat them in back-to-back games for the Satyrs. Um Yeah, they do. I think probably the other side of it, as well as I think it was um, a really astute decision. Um, I was talking about this yesterday uh, on the show about uh, Clayton McMillan um, rolling the dice on the depth of his squad um, and, and, and mingling in a lot of youth and enthusiasm mm. and, and testing the depth of his squad with some of his key players um, unaffected uh, by COVID, the likes of Ritalik and Brad Weber, you know, Bryn Gatlin um, was able to front again after having an outstanding game out against the Crusaders. Mm. So effectively what he's done is he's he's created still a good vibe within the camp because they've, they've gone to Auckland They've played that catch-up game. They've won it convincingly. They've played really well. He's got competition and depth within his squad. Uh, and, and he's got, you know, how many? I don't know, 30? Or basically an entire squad full of uh, players that uh, are playing outstanding rugby. So, mm. you know, he's, he's in a very good position. Whereas the Crusaders, on the other hand, are facing, obviously, the coming off the back of the loss um, and... 
I guess the probably the other side of it, when you think about it, is is in the manner that they lost. You know, statistically, they they lost that game quite convincingly. Although the scoreboard um, didn't <laughs> didn't show that, and the Chiefs mm. had to to do it in the last uh, last uh, moments of the game. Statistically, they had to make, like I said, a, an outs outstandingly um, um, huge amount of tackles. You know, two hundred and basically fifty tackles is well beyond what you want to be making in the game. You know, they, they did effectively tackle at 90%, which is incredible for that amount of tackles when you think of the fatigue factor. But they they lost the inside the 22 stat. They, they lost the territory. They lost the possession. Um, so not only did they get beaten on the scoreboard, they, they, they weren't in the game mm. enough. And so, you know, you, you factor in also now trying to get players back out onto the field and fit. Now Scott Robertson's also got to deal with well, what the hell went wrong with our game plan? Like, yeah, we, we can't afford to go out each week and be making over two hundred tackles and let the opposition um, dictate the game because a good side will will hurt you if you give them too much ball, which eventually the Chiefs did and they hurt them at home. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a big I think reset for the Crusaders to find a way forward because. It's actually been a bit of a vice for them. Um, statistically, they've 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 not been getting the ball that they should have. They've been having to be making a lot of tackles, um, and and haven't been dominating territory or, or possession. So, you know, I don't know if that's that's something that Scott Robertson would be feeling r- really good about. Real comfortable about. You mentioned depth. Um, Beaver mentioned on the show today. That I mean, obviously he's riding pretty high on the Chiefs at the moment, as you could imagine. Um, yeah. But he mentioned that the squad has quite a bit of depth, particularly in the Ford pack, and he said that it's the kind of depth that the Crusaders have been enjoying for a good thick end of a decade or two now. And he um, he's he's starting to think that that's one of the major strengths. Do you think that the Crusaders still have that kind of depth? Yeah, I certainly think the Crusaders have it. Um, you know, and you can't ever question the likes of um, you know. The, the Sam Whitelock type of uh, personality, Cody Taylor, you know, um, Joe Moody, because those guys just keep going and going and going. Uh, but what the Chiefs do have is they have that sort of um, work work ethic, but in a younger body. <laughs> and um, that, that does help, you know, and, and there certainly is a, a mountain of depth there. Look, I, I don't know whether or not Scott Robertson's got his combinations quite right yet, uh, particularly the back row, whether or not he's totally um, sure of where, where those players all sit. You, you, you know, you've got your, your Tom Christie and Ethan Blackadder, and at the moment he's been using um, Pablo Matera. So, you know, that's where does Cullen Grace come into this and at what stage does he factor into the mix? Um, obviously a big loss for them in that last Chiefs game, though, was Scott Barrett. I don't, don't mm. underestimate what he brings to that forward pack. So... I'm, I'm banking on the fact that he, he he will be back and ready to play because he was, I think he was ruled out with COVID. So he was one of the first to go down. So that will make a significant difference. Mm. But yeah, that Chiefs forward pack is impressive. Yeah, they are. And, and, and as we mentioned, they do go deep. We're going to go to an air break uh, here just in a few minutes time. Uh, we're going to cross live to Matt Sexton, who's a former Crusader as well. Just before we do, though, you mentioned Pablo Matera. I don't know that I've ever seen a number eight kick as often as he has without getting their <laughs> licence revoked. Does he have the the green light from Scott Robertson whenever he wants to put that chip and chase in? It seems like he does. Oh, uh, it, seems, it seems to be that he has. Um, but believe it or not, I have played with a number eight that kicked the ball that much. So I played with Zinni. So... Um, <laughs> 
he he had a repertoire of kicks too. He didn't just put his foot on it and hack it. He he could do all sorts, grubber through the line, you know, over the top to himself, drop kicks, uh, spiral punt, you name it. Um, so yeah, maybe Pablo Mateta has arrived in New Zealand thinking he thinking way back to the days of Zan Brook, <laughs> and um, I'm allowed to boot to ball now. <laughs> yeah, might be getting a bit ahead of himself now, but he's playing excellent at the moment. All right, we're going to go to a quick ad break. We'll come back with Matt Sexton right after this. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. In the red, talking Crusaders rugby with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, and I are in the studio filling in for Ricardo uh, this afternoon. Justin Marshall with me along side as he is every week um, and it is our pleasure uh, to welcome into the show Matt Sexton. Uh, Matt, how are you mate? Are you there? Yeah, great. Thank you. We got yep. you. No, good. All, all good. That's the story mate. Hey, what have you liked from the uh, the Crusaders thus far in uh, 2022 season of Super Rugby? Well, yeah, I mean, as per usual, there's, um, there's some great outside backs through there. Um, you know, Will Jordan's been, been um, pretty potent alongside Lester Bunganuku and um, you know, he's in a sort of reasonably fledgling part of his career at the moment but he's a big powerful winger with an awesome offload and um, and uh, you know backing him up in the, in the middle of the pack did some good workhorses you know uh, the chair I think um, played really well too so yeah they've, they've got some um, some sting on the outsides and, and um, a few workhorses through the middle there yeah, probably the interesting thing I, I think looking at the um, team so far, their set pieces is, is is not quite up, been up to scratch as it has been in previous years. But uh, they've got quite a few young players coming through in some of those um, some of those small numbers. So yeah, they're, they're they're looking pretty complete side again. So good match up this weekend. Hey, Red up, mate. Thanks very much uh, for for joining us, mate. Hey, um, no worries, I don't mate. know if you heard me earlier, but uh, I was speaking about. Do you think Razor would be a little bit concerned about the fact that they they haven't been gliding along as ruthlessly as they normally are? They struggled, you know, nearly got pipped at the post by the Hurricanes. The Highlanders, it took them 70 minutes to break them down. Obviously, they've lost to the Chiefs. And even minor Pacifica put them under pressure. Do you think there's a little bit of a, 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 a lack of synergy in the team at the moment? Yeah, it's it's been a little bit clunky, um, mm. you know, and I think um, you know, defending for large periods of time because they're turning over at one, which is uncharacteristically, you know, usually pretty clinical with the ball, and, and when they get their game going, um, it's pretty hard to stop. But they they just haven't. I just don't think their the ability to retain the ball, whether it's through some silly turnovers or or sometimes the odd set piece that goes awry and haven't just got their game going. So that cohesion piece isn't quite there, I think, at the moment. Yeah, I was wanted to ask you about the, the set piece because usually, you know, when they get into an arm wrestle, they usually go to that set piece and, you know, they can yeah. they could win a penalty through a scrum or, you know, get, get to good positions to get that line out more going and they've got so many variations off it. But, you know, they haven't really sort of got that that gelling at the moment, have they? So, do you feel that the the, the selection process is okay? It, obviously, it doesn't help losing a Scott Barrett for the Chiefs game, but um, you know they've they've yeah. kind of been throwing a, a bit of a bone to a few players lately. The likes of Brody McAllister yeah. has been given a go. What have you made of him? Yeah, look, he's um, you know he's still pretty young in his career. He's um, 
he's been through some age grade stuff, and you know he's he's you know he's sort of cut his teeth now, so he should be starting to function. He he's actually got you know the, the set pieces, as you know, like it's a combination of different things. I think um, um, you know generally across the board. You know, there's, there's pretty fine margins around, you know, line-out stuff. It could be a couple of bad calls or, or throw there or a lift that's not quite on, and, and then you, you've turned the ball over. So, um, especially at Super Rugby, she's pretty ruthless with the amount of analysis that teams teams can do. So, yeah, it's not quite it's not quite where it should be, but if you look at the cattle across the board, I think, um, you know, they'll be okay at the, the back end of things. But the, the really challenging piece for teams at the moment is that, you know, with... I'm not going to say the big C word heading through and, and ravaging all ravaging all our sides. Is that um, yeah they haven't been able to have a lot of consistency and the odd injury too hasn't um, hasn't hasn't enabled Razor and, and the crew to really sort of field a probably the top lineup um, you know consistently and that's that's when you get that cohesion piece and I think um, when they get that that machine will start to cook. But yeah you're right I think I think um, you know with with a lot of changes, it's, it's it's not quite happening at the moment. Well, they've got another difficult challenge in front of them. Obviously, they lost the home game to the Chiefs, and then they were going to be able to try and bounce back with the Blues, but that obviously got postponed. So now they've got to try and go to Hamilton and get a mm. result. Now, the Chiefs, are, I'm sure you'll agree with me, they look bloody impressive. So what do they have to do? Yeah. What What would be the messages, do you think, this week? To go there and come away with with the W. Well, it's you know the Chiefs will be smelling blood in the water. There's no doubt about that. They'll, they'll be um, licking their lips and thinking we've we've got an opportunity here with a home game. Um, mm. But it's seen through time that in face of adversity, um, you know, the Crusaders can step up. At, at, and and um, but in terms of messaging, I think from from Razor to his crew, it's just been that. You know, making sure the accuracy piece um, is really there. Um, there's going to be some brutality, I think, across the board as they are in all our um, our home derbies, but this one in particular because they're two teams that are pretty evenly matched across the board. Um, that battle up front is going to be really um, exciting, I think. You know, um, I'm not exactly sure who they're going to have lined up there, but both sides are going to field. You know, quality, quality across the across the board if everyone's fit. So it'll just be you know um, small margins and and critical moments and making sure that you know the accuracy is there when you know if it's a it's a line out or a scrum that everyone is just bought in and and and, and make sure that they're doing their job well and and then I think they'll they'll uh, they can get their game going. But as you, as you've seen up till now, it's probably just been a little bit clunky. So you need to make some shifts pretty quick. Totally agree, mate. Oh, well, hey, I really appreciate your time on a Monday night. Um, no doubt on Saturday you'll be tuning into the Crusaders game, sitting down with a cold beer and probably some chicken um, on the couch. Yeah. And chippies, <laughs> mate. Chippies and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, really appreciate appreciate your time, Rado, and um, we'll catch up All with right. you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. No, thank you, mate. It's great to have a chat to uh, to Matt Sexton there, uh, Justin. There's a few games with any luck. I keep I don't want to jinx any of these games when you say, oh, there's a game on Friday night because we just don't know um, what's going to happen between now and then. But with any luck, all things going well, um, we will have a full slate of uh, mm. Super Rugby games. Um, Justin, we mentioned uh, the Chiefs-Crusaders. Obviously, pick for that game would be the Crusaders. 
Oh, yeah, I will. Um, your mate Beaver, I hear him a lot say that he often picks with the heart. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go the same way. Uh, yeah, Crusaders, but um, I'm not as convinced as I, as I usually am. No, it seems um, that the Chiefs can just about stand up 15 uh, uniforms and they'll they'll go all right at the moment. Um, yeah. Looking around the league at the other other matches, Minor Pacifica uh, taking on the Hurricanes on the Friday night. Uh, who you got there? Yeah, look, I think uh, the Hurricanes will be well and truly ready for a game um, and obviously some concerning signs for Moana Pacifica um, and some some injuries as well out of the last game. So um, in my mind, I think the Hurricanes comfortably win that game. We'll stay in the uh, New Zealand conference. The Landers take on the Blues on oh, Saturday. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, and, and I expect a real bounce back from the Highlanders. Um, and I think this break's probably come at a good time. Um, but my head's telling me to stay with the Blues, but I would not be surprised if that's an upset. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Melbourne, as they've been called on the ECNZ Run Home Show, uh, the Melbourne Shambles, they are taking <laughs> on the Fijian Drawer on Friday night. Fiji, you'd think, uh, just too good. Yeah, you'd think so, but there were some good signs from Melbourne this weekend. I thought, certainly thought the Rebels looked a lot, lot stronger, um, but yeah, I think the Drawer have been looking outstanding. Over the shambles, yeah. Um, the Force take on the Brumbies. Who have you got in that one? Uh, well, I got the Force this week um, to beat the Drua. Not many did, but uh, I don't think they're going to be good enough to, to topple the Brumbies, so I'll go with the Brumbies. No, it seems that the uh, Brumbies are emerging as the top uh, top mm. two, I guess you'd call it, in the Australian Conference. The other one alongside them are the Reds, and they take on the Waratahs uh, this weekend. Do you, you think the Waratahs have got what it takes to knock off the Reds? I think the Waratahs are capable, but I don't think they've got the firepower and the nous at the moment in terms of experience to beat the Reds, so I'll go the Reds. Um, just while I've got you on the lines, just something I wanted to do selfishly. I texted you about it earlier on today, um, but with yep. no, no Crusaders game um, happening this weekend, I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about a, uh, uh, a game that was near and dear to my heart that you were a part of, uh, the 2002 Super Rugby Grand Final. Um, before we get into that particular game, the semi-finals you had to go through the Landers that year, and I grew up in a town right on the border of Canterbury and Otago. So uh, yeah. back in those days when those derby games were going on, half the main street would be red and black balloons, streamers, and the other half of the main street would be um, blue and yellow. It was just brilliant. Oh, the whole town got up for it. The whole <laughs> district were right on the border, um, and it was tense. I was always a Crusaders fan, so often came out on the right side of those ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, that's good to know, mate. Um, I tell you, that, that uh, sort of camaraderie, um, given the Crusaders' success uh, since then, um, is no longer there. I asked a few of the current Highlanders players at a function I hosted for them here in Queenstown in a pre-season game. And I said, the team, you know, the, what's, who's the team? I won't use the word hate, but... Mm, we'll sports sport. hate. It's not a yes, real life hate. hate the yeah. most. Mate, every single one of them said they hated the Crusaders. I was like, What? We're South Island brothers here, you know, like South Island against North Island. Nah, nah. So, uh, yeah, that rivalry has only intensified since way back then. So it, yeah. it, it would be a riot in the streets of uh, your hometown oh. if, if it was the modern day. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. It's full on. But that um, that grand final, 31-13 against the Brumbies, there was some stacked teams on both sides. Um, Leon McDonald, Aaron Major, Caleb Ralph, obviously Andrew Murdens in there mm. as well, a pair of Griggs in the front row. Uh, what do you remember from that from that grand final playing against your Stephen Larkins, your George Gregans as well? 
yeah, I just remember it being just a really fantastic game of rugby and fast. Um, that's the way the Brumbies used to like. They played the game, you know, that they they had that tempo. They, they never died wondering. They were probably the best side at piecing phases together um, over a period of three to four years when they were really at their um, effective best. And you used to always go into that game knowing that they, they were going to be a positive side to play. Uh, and even when it got to a final, you know, that, that that was the same. They didn't go insular, and we'd like to think we never did as well. So you, mm. you always got a really exciting, tough game. And, um, yeah, I, I just uh, never forget the way that they, um, you know, used the ball and wanted to play against you. And and then well, there's a lot of chirpiness in their team back then I as well. I can imagine. You're, uh, you're Sterling Mortlocks of the world. I imagine George Smith will be dishing it out as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Beaver, Beaver, for some reason, has a memory in his head of that grand final of Ron Cribbs scoring a try, which can't have happened because he wasn't in the team. What what final is he thinking of? He reckons Ron Cribbs scored an uh, individual try. He scored uh, the try in the final when we beat the Brumbies without the ball. <laughs> they had 75% <laughs> possession, I think it was, in Canberra. Um, he went off the back of a scrum or somewhere. He chipped the ball over, regathered it, and scored, and then pretended to drink the ball yes. as a beer. So I think that's the one that Beaver's thinking of. It was definitely a final as well. So, yeah. May I'm as bad as him. I can't even remember what year it was, but I do remember the try. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like asking, uh, you know, asking someone what they did at work, you know, a couple of years ago. It's, it's hard yeah. to remember that kind of thing. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, this afternoon, Justin. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next Monday for another in the red. You certainly will, mate. Thanks everybody for joining uh, the show this afternoon or this evening, and um, enjoy what's coming up. Cheers.